special rules for Racco Attacko. Yeah. Racco Smacko Racco. Racco Smacko Attacko. <laughs> Taco. 51. Okay, can I get random trash instead of known garbage? <laughs> Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we stand rummy on its head with Racco. Next, we scramble to keep our patients alive and well in Healthy Heart Hospital. And lastly, we give and get a clue in $20,000 Pyramid. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. I'm Evan Bernstein. When you toss away cards in a card game, you discard them. When you toss away cubes in a game with cubes, then you discube them. I'm Joe Unfried, and I just tossed away some combobulates. I'm Ed Povolitis, and cards have a rough life. They've been shuffled, cut, dealt, stacked, piled, pitched, played, flopped, played, tucked, tapped, flipped, tricked, Exhausted, tossed, discarded, or removed from the game. I'm Mike Grenier, and I got Aces and Eights, partner. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started today, we want to congratulate Louise from the UK for winning our Azul contest. Well done, Louise. Your copy is on the way to you. And also, please don't forget, share, 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 subscribe, and review the show. It helps us grow. Thank you very, very much. Our first game up this week is Racco. No designer credits, originally published by Milton Bradley in 1956. We played the version published by Winning Moves in 2013. Number of players, two to four, ages eight and up. Runtime, 45 minutes. Okay, when we unearth this game, Mike, what were your first thoughts? Well, after the temptation to make juvenile puns about the name passed by me, I looked at the game and thought we might be creating a Rolodex or something. (laughs) (laughs) It does look like that. Evan? Racco, the game where every discarded card by your opponent is exactly the card you need. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Ed? Let's rack them cards up. How hard can it be to get these in order? And Joe? My plan was to reserve my front card slot for numbers 1 to 6, the next for 7 to 12, and so on. I was looking forward to finding out how effective that strategy is. Getting your cards in numerical order to win the game. Rummy in a rack. Okay, okay, all right. Evan, tell us if the rules are as easy as 1, 2, 3. Ah, piece of cake, everyone, because each player is given a card rack and then dealt a set of numbered cards. Simple. The players put their cards into the rack in the order they receive them, so cards are not in numerical order. The object of the game is to order their cards from lowest number to highest in the rack. Players do that by drawing new numbered cards in turn and using those cards to replace cards in their rack. The first one to successfully replace enough cards so that their rack is in numerical order gets to call Racco and wins the round. So, what did you think of this vertically aligned rummy? I used to love rummy when I was little. <laughs> you lost your taste for it as you got became an adult? You said you liked rummy as a kid, and you bring up a good point. When I play rummy and other card games like that, like gin and stuff, my younger kids have trouble holding the cards in the fan-out order. And this game solves that problem. Uh, games from this era, like really old games have an advantage of using something people already understand. Kind of like word games, this is just a number game. People know how to count by the time they play this game, and the rules can just be a pamphlet. 
And and the rack is actually pretty useful rather than just being a pretty prop. Oh, it's extremely useful. This game would be so it, almost impossible because of the amount of cards. Well, plus, what would they call it without the rack? oh (laughs) Uh, let's not forget that the rack also is the point counter it 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 tells you how many points you achieved in any given round that's right the numbers are right on the rack yeah right on the side you just count up to where your sequence ends and there's your score wow now what shuffle shuffle oh we don't shuffle we just turn it flip it over a little bit Racco. Oh. And I just got my first 25 one. 25 for me. And I got my first one, too. Five. <laughs> 25 for me. Five whole points. This was a tragedy. That's a, tra- 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 a travesty <laughs> and a tragedy. I was looking for time. a number. So everybody always gets five points every at least yeah. round because they have at least one card in order at the beginning. <laughs> Another nice touch for kids. Yeah. Even if the first <laughs> right. card they have is 57, they're still getting five points. Right. That's right. No zeros in this game. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, a few times I actually try to order them from the back down, which is not exactly a sound strategy. Right. Yeah. I noticed right after the first round that if you can, you want to order from the bottom up because at least you'll get some points if you lose. I know, but sometimes just those cards you draw, they are like these perfect high number cards. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you have a ton of choices each turn. You got two choices, either draw a random card or draw the card that somebody else just discarded. If I was playing with four people, I'd rather be playing this game than a handheld card game like Rummy. I think it's more exciting. You see the card and people are just better organized. So they're like, no, my card. That that was most of the game for me. It's like, oh, Joe's playing. Oh, he's throwing away a card I need. Celeste is playing. She's throwing away a card I need. Let's see what Ed does. Yep, throwing a card I need. <laughs> Every game I've played where you're looking for a specific card, it's always the one that's discarded right past you. Just out of reach. <laughs> but some experienced players will make a habit of drawing cards that their opponents discard just to mess with. <laughs> if you're a master of grief, that's a good strategy, I guess. <laughs> master of grief. I love that. <laughs> Except for, I think, Celeste, if you had four players, you'd rather play bridge. <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. There are much better card games for four players than Rummy. Bridge being one of many, yes. It's a it's a starter game, right? A gateway card game. You have choices to make, this card or the mystery card. It <laughs> 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 was the first card game my great-grandmother taught me. Yeah, the first game, the first game card game my my dad ever taught me was Fifty Two Pickup. Oh man, that's that's a job for a big brother. It's so anno- well, oh, I passed it down to my little brother. Don't worry about that. But my dad didn't just play it once with me. He just liked to torture me. He played it multiple times, even after I knew the secret to the game. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the good old days. The good okay. old days. Yeah. No spoilers about Fifty Two Pickup. Yes. On, on uh, during the podcast. Yeah. That's true. Very young children may be listening <laughs> right don't want to ruin the surprise guys but it's super fun trust me. older yeah. siblings it's on you to google it <laughs> <laughs> this game has been published by literally every big game company this is the ultimate this was the ultimate pass around license i have seen yet first it was printed by milton bradley then ravensburger then parker brothers then hasbro wow and finally with uh our version winning move game so between 1956 
And today it has been printed by every big name. It makes you wonder why each of these companies decided to let it go and what was in the mindset of the companies deciding to pick it up. No, it's not it's not always the case where the license was let go. Um, sometimes uh, the person owns it, licenses it to other com- uh, companies to publish an edition. Um, some of these editions you see in the list will be for other countries. The holder of the rights may very well want to spread it around to many short-term owners just to ensure the longevity of the brand. Yeah, I got to keep that Racco brand fresh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, if you own the license, that is your number one priority. You always want someone to be advertising that. While they have the license, you know, on on their dime, of course. (laughs) Always be licensing. ABL? Okay. That's right. (laughs) And there's also different versions of this game. I saw a Super Racco. Super Racco. Yeah. Now, get this. You get two racks of cards at the same time. Slow down, Mario and Andretti. And you're ordering both. At the same time. Wow, so they took their their cue from Fluster by having a dump (laughs) side and a working side. (laughs) And there's another version called Racco Plus, which includes a draw two rule and a wild card. That'll speed the game up. Oh, I bet it does. Or increase your greed to try to get a better rack. If you look at the photos of the covers of this game through the years, honestly, you could do a graphic design thesis about, you know, the way game design has changed over the last half century. This is not a game that has pictures of people playing it on the cover or anything. It is literally the name Racco and the picture of cards. In the rack, of course. Yeah, the rack. That's it. They are showing that this is a card game with a rack. Yeah, that's because they don't have to pay any actors to stand there and look happy about the game. <laughs> I heard they experimented once by having a person on the torture rack on the cover of the game, but that didn't go over very (laughs) well. So they went back to the traditional. It was like a a sad bearded peasant just with his head down. (laughs) They kept the font, though, from the 1966 version. Yeah. 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 I lost a game of Racco once by ignoring the fact that I had a winning rack to, because I wanted to go for a run. You wanted the perfect rack. You do get bonus points for um, that, don't you? Yeah, if you get three or more cards in numeric order, you get extra bonus points. But only if you win the rack, though. Okay, it's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Racco. Ed, how about you? It's a very random card game, but you have fun enough to play a few times. If you like light games or have kids, it may be worth some consideration. But if I've seen all I need from these racks and will bury them for the next explorer to find and discover. Joe? I've never met a hardcore gamer who cites Racco as their favorite game. <laughs> um, but if you are yourself a committed gamer who ends up playing with casual gamers like you know, relatives or kids, its dig-up factor may be stronger than you expect. Evan? Randomness wins the day over what little strategy Racco affords you. If that's your thing, more power to you. Bury it. Mike? I think I'm about to surprise people here. I normally bury games that offer you victory more for luck than skill. However, I think some of my casual gamer friends will have a lot of fun with this old school version of Rummy. So for them, I will dig it up. That is surprising. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm... I am flabbergasted. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different game. <laughs> right. We're, we're going to review that next week. We'll, we'll review yeah. flabbergast in the coming episodes. <laughs> flabbergast. 
Yes, I'm with Mikey. I see this game as a great opportunity for casual gamers. It's a little bit more in-depth than the sillier games that are shorter that I would throw out there. And I'm an avid card player. This really worked for my kids who still have trouble holding up their cards. Dig it up. You can find this game everywhere. You probably have a copy in your house and don't even know it. (laughs) So this game runs about 10 to $15 wherever you can find it. It's at most stores and, of course, online. If you have thoughts about Racco, we would love to hear from you. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our next game up this week is Healthy Heart Hospital, designed by Scott Nelson and Anna Marie Nelson, published by Victory Point Games in 2015. Number of players, 1 to 5, ages 13 and up. Runtime, 60 to 90 minutes. Okay, when we shined a light on this find, what were your first impressions? Mike? At first glance, it looked like a cheesy game from the 60s. Then I started to notice some little modern objects on the box. Did they do that on purpose? Evan? We're going to need a bigger graveyard in the back. I mean, welcome (laughs) to Healthy Heart Hospital. (laughs) Ed? Don't mind the blood on the floor. That's just from the first trip. Your condition will be quite simple to treat. But first, we have a little document we need to sign right before we proceed. (laughs) (laughs) And Joe? I was excited at the idea of a co-op game set in a busy medical facility. No running around the world like pandemic. You know, just tension ticking by minute by minute. I started to break out in a cold sweat just watching the tutorial video for this game. (laughs) I guess they found the title, The Cold Hard Truth About Big Health and Litigious Liability, too long for the name of the game. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get lightheaded and feverish over the theme, Evan, tell us a little bit about how it's played. Welcome to Anytown, USA, where people grumble about the quality of their health care, but still show up at Healthy Heart Hospital, hoping they made a smart decision. In an effort to save the hospital, you and your allies among its leading physicians have staged a recent clinical coup and taken over the hospital to restore its prestige. Healthy Heart Hospital is played over several rounds, with each player spending actions to treat and hopefully cure the various patients that come pouring into the hospital every round. Patients are represented by a number of cubes of various colors. Color represents the type of illness, while the number of cubes represents the severity of the illness. Does your team have what it takes to bring Healthy Heart Hospital back to its former glory without becoming hard-hearted in the process? We're about to find out. (laughs) I loved the layout and design of this game. When I first saw the box cover, and I'm sure when the listeners of this episode see it on our little display for the episode, they're going to be like, how old is this game? Yep. Exactly what I said. <laughs> it wouldn't be our first old game if it had been that old. I certainly thought it was going to be that old. I was like, is this one of Evan's vintage finds? I love this style. That was intentionally 50s and 60s style. I love it. Well, with one key exception, if you look closely, you're getting a much more diverse representation of doctors in our society. Speaking of diversity in the doctors and their skin. <laughs> Skills and abilities. <laughs> These guys were hilarious. I absolutely loved it. Do you guys think they were going for the old 60s hospital shows uh, like... Um, Emergency? 
Yeah, I mean, it, that's what it looked like to me. These old television shows like Medical Center or Dr. Kildare from the 60s and 70s. And they named their doctors in these stereotypical ways that highlighted their skills and abilities. For for example, like Dr. Bunsen, right, was big on, <laughs> was big on science. Dr. Smile, Dr. Dreamboat. <laughs> oh my Dreamboat. gosh, that was not a real name. <laughs> I miss Dr. Dreamboat. Oh. Is that in this game? Yes, yes those are is. real yes. doctors. You don't play all the doctors. You just you you select right. randomly. And there's a, a selection of different administrators as well. Yeah. And like Joe, you played Doctor Lucky. What was his special ability? Uh, well, he he had a affinity for running the morgue, and he <laughs> bore an uncanny resemblance to Marty Feldman. <laughs> <laughs> well. Somebody's good at internal medicine, right? No? I know a thing or two about internal medicine. <laughs> yes. All right. So, Joe, you're going to have to work on this guy because he's on death's door. Who's this fellow? Oh, his name is Henry. Henry? Death's door. Oh, again? Yes, he's back. <laughs> oh, good. The you drinking are... has stopped. I'll try and whip him back into shape. All right. Flip one action and draw some cues. There we are. Time to draw All some right. cues. Either cure him or put him out of his misery. One. Two. Okay, I could draw one more because I am in the internal. Or you can medicine. keep your one success there, and uh, so there's no risk of killing him. Black is like drawing flaw in a ritual. Yeah, you have a one in. I think I'm gonna just cut our losses and bring us from, from four. You're to three. better than one in six chances. Uh, cut our losses and cut his left leg off. We Next, don't, we don't really need a death in the uh, internal medicine ward right now. So you guys play the doctors, and you're trying to save the hospital. And somebody plays an administrator as well. Right, an administrator like um, Miss Morebucks. Ours was like Penny Pincher or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was playing administrator Pinch Penny. Pinch Penny, that's it. Here's what's happening in the game, and this is p really part of the cleverness of the game. You're not just playing doctor, treating patients, trying to save the patients, cure the disease. You're playing management of the hospital. You're trying to keep this place from going broke and keep the lights on and keep the doors open. And, and, and you have to make a balance of these two sets of skills in order to keep everything from falling apart. Oh, yeah. There's times that you could actually cure people while they're still in the waiting room. But that doesn't get you as much money. So sometimes you want to put them into the hospital bed to cure them. And guess what happens if you run out of money in this game? They'll shut you down. Yeah. The hospital goes broke. <laughs> and that's it. You lose. <laughs> so Right. So you're managing the wards. And some of your patients die. So then you're managing your liabilities. And boy, oh, boy. It is no fun running a hospital, huh? <laughs> <Did you? laughs> and the game is pretty cool there's a lot of tension because every time uh you're pulling cubes out of the bag to see what's coming next you know it's like i hope that person doesn't die or, yeah. or, or I, if you didn't die it's like wow we got we got five critical patients here what are we gonna do who do we treat first <laughs> triage baby i love the use of cubes in this game they represent the types of patients you're getting and you pull them out. What types of patients are going to show up in the waiting room? Because a hospital never knows. And then you have only a limited amount of space in your ward. So if you pull out too many uh, psychiatric patients, you could run out of beds and then patients get worse and then patients could die. I loved it. It felt to me like it really built theme. Did you guys really feel the theme intensely in this game? Yes. Yeah, I did. By the second turn, I was already feeling it. Now, from a pure gameplay perspective, it's rare, and its rareness sort of helps. It, it's that it's a jarring kind of setback. 
And I think the, the rareness is kind of interesting. Like, first, when you first see it, there's a few bodies in there. It doesn't look too bad. But then after turn three, when you're like, you got new critical patients coming, you're still trying to treat the ones in your wards, and your mortgage is running out of space. And you're like, uh, what do we build next? Because uh, new morgue, because I think some people are going to die. Well, I mean, if you pulled a little better out of the bag, our morgue wouldn't have filled up so fast. Yeah, I smell malpractice. What do you guys think of the balance of the game? The tutorials I saw seemed to show that it's really difficult to have good draws out of this bag. I mean, look, a hospital just has patients coming in and coming in and coming in. Does it ever really get good for a hospital? Maybe not. And maybe the cube draw represents that. Uh, We had some very successful rounds in which we were able to clear out a lot of patients on any given round. And then we had other rounds in which we were just overwhelmed and couldn't handle it. Right. I think the best part was that after it's like, well, a bunch of patients did die. But hey, look, everything's clear now. It's like a sunny day. So while your patients are in the waiting room, uh, the the cubes that represent them are stuck on the board. And to cure people that are in the beds, you need to pull the right color cube out of the bag. So sometimes you want to clear that patient into the into the bed to get more of those cubes back into the bag to cure them. It's kind of a good push and pull. Right. And then sometimes you want to wait until next turn because if they're all in the the waiting room, you have to wait until next turn for those bags to get refilled. Uh, For those of you who are fans of statistical analysis, this game will satisfy uh, because of the number of cubes, the number of colors, the combinations of what's left in the bag, what's on the board, and what's been, as we have coined the term, discubed, not discarded, (laughs) discubed, that is a word, trademarked by which game first, and... (laughs) and and yeah, you you're you're constantly doing a numbers dance in your head because if you know a certain amount of cubes remain in the bag and you have a better chance of maybe treating one type of patient in one of the wards, then even though your, do- your doctor you're playing may not be that specialist, you may still want to go after that just because the numbers are in your favor. Yeah, and it, it's definitely good for people who like to analyze the numbers like I do, but it also has the side effect of a quarterback effect like a lot of these different cooperative games have where one person's doing all the analysis and then kind of trying to tell the rest of the team what they should be doing during their turn, which I totally realize can be kind of annoying. Yeah, it can be, but I think there's enough going on in the game where it can be minimized, where people can actually have a discussion about what is actually bad. And if everybody's involved in that discussion, it's not as bad. Yeah, it's not so tight that there's only one right answer. There's a few things mm-hmm. that you could do that could be just about equally uh, good of a decision. Ed, what are you trying to say? Were some of us not in some of these decision-making processes and we're, we're in, instead trying to role-play a little bit to get some good pull-outs for the, uh, for the episode? Not at all. I, I'm just saying in co-op games in general have a tendency for one person to start taking shots. Well, this is clearly the best way to do it. If you don't do it this way, then you're stupid. And, and, yeah. and that is when games start to be less fun for other people. Nothing like the co-op experience. When I first saw the characters drawn on the front of the box, they both looked so deadpan and serious. I felt sure that the game was going to have a lot more humor in it, like a bordering on farce. But what humor it does have is actually pretty subdued. Yeah, but we fixed that. I think it's, yeah, it's a little bit low-key. I mean, it's definitely in the titles and the names of the characters and um, the administrator, I think, is where the main point of the humor is. I think it's brilliant. I think the level of humor is very, very good. 
it is vague, but not that vague. So you can take it in whatever direction you want. You want to play it as a straight up Euro game statistical analysis thing? You can. But if you want to take it in the other direction and go really lighthearted with it, uh, there's enough there for you to do that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought the balance of humor was perfect for a game about hospitals and people dying. <laughs> I thought that this was just the right kind of humor because we have played uh, games that yeah. are that deal with grim topics uh, before. And I, I have never seen it done quite as sophisticated as this. Dr. Lucky was about as extreme as a god, I think. <laughs> it's yeah. a good thing we had him because we filled that morgue up. <laughs> We actually, oh, yeah. you actually can buy buildings like different wings of the hospital or improve on the wings you have. Yeah. And uh, so we extended our morgue to have three extra slots. Oh, in it. so important. Someone went to a lot of trouble actually spreading out the you know, responsibilities and how these characters would be interacting with each other in very intricate patterns. Now, because there were some turns I felt like I was, my back hurt because I was carrying everybody. And there were other turns where I, where I didn't do very much. You never knew what was going to happen next. I think I, the the buildings are a great addition to the game because there's so many different buildings to build, and they're hard choices. They're all useful in their ways. So it's like, what do we build now with our precious money so that we can actually, hopefully, get this hospital rolling right? And to add to the replayability of this game, not only do you have the extra buildings that you can upgrade, but you also have staff members that show up that give you little extra mm. bonuses in whatever wing of the hospital you put them in. You have to spend money on them, but they can definitely supplement the skills you're missing when you get your initial four doctors. Right. The orderly, the security detail, all these other characters that you would otherwise find in a hospital can give you certain bonuses. Yeah, there was one that could turn away an ambulance if it was too full and just pick a new card off the top instead. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I mean, it, it highlights the human factor that can really impact healthcare in any other industry. And I thought that was brilliant. I mean, lots of times you think of these huge businesses like this just sort of run themselves. It's on an autopilot, but it's not. The human factor makes a big difference. And I really liked how this game was able to do that on theme. They called it Healthy Heart Hospital. <laughs> the cardiac wing was only a little part of it. I think it was an homage to like 60s and 70s shows and stuff. Like it's a, it's a cheesy name on purpose, don't you think? I love the cheese in this game. So winning entails getting to the getting through all the patients, treating all the patients before your hospital shuts down because of funds or filled up graveyards or whatever else, right? It's basically did you did you did you get to the end of the game before you ran out of money? And then number two is the quality of your victory, which I believe was on a scale of zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. And I think we struck around a mid-range 55, if I'm not mistaken, yep. which was, you know, decent enough. So you have, you know, that sort of pride. If you have the higher score, <laughs> you did the best job possible. But even if you kept the hospital open, you scored like a five or a seven or something. <laughs> yeah, you kept it open, but you're considered one of the worst hospitals on the planet. Right? <laughs> and they actually have in the book a range and a specific description of what happens to your hospital afterwards. Oh, I love that. It's cool. Yeah, it adds a little fun role-playing uh, cap to it. But I wanted the extremes to be more extreme. Like, you know, you're worshipped as gods uh, throughout the world <laughs> if you've successfully got to 100 points. Or, you know, at five points, you know, people throw tomatoes at you on the street. You know, you're horrible <laughs> people. Yeah. So, they're lighting so, their torches to burn your building down. It's almost that good. I think they're really well-written, Ashlyn. Now, this is the worst reading you can get. 
healthy hospital had continued its image of decline as a medical institution, and an endless parade of protesters, news cameras, lawyers, and other undesirables seemed to besiege it as you looked for an exit strategy centered on your early retirement. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a win, folks. That's a victory. That's right. That's a victory. Okay, explorers, get your shovels out. It's time to decide whether or not to dig up or bury Healthy Heart Hospital. Joe? I think this checks all the boxes, uh, both for what I like to see in a co-op game and the uh, portrayal of a hospital setting. Uh, dig it up. Evan? It's a clever game, really good co-op. Everyone plays at all times. That's always a plus in my book. Good theme, good artwork, and you can play it as solitaire. So this game delivers. Dig it up. Mike? This game's goofy name and cheesy old school vibe made me forget about the high random factor for a minute. So I think I can dig it up for at least a couple more plays. Ed? It's a co-op game that can suffer a bit from the quarterbacking issue, but I found it to be fun and offers a good amount of challenge that you don't want to work with other players to make the best of a bad situation. Dig it up, as we have to make more room for the bodies to hide. (laughs) (laughs) Because I wasn't there, I'm going to reserve judgment, but boy, it looks fascinating. Ed, where can you find it? I've seen a few copies of Healthy Heart Hospital online, and you may see it at your local store, retail for about 50 bucks. The designer had posted that a reprint may be in the works. Mm, If you have thoughts about Healthy Heart Hospital, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, our last game up this week is the $20,000 Pyramid Game. Uh, we played the version published by Milton Bradley in 1974. Number of players, four, ages 10 and up, runtime, 30 minutes. When we dusted off this find, what were your thoughts, Mike? Another ancient game show come to life. Let's see if it has the same spirit as the show did. Evan? Wow, $20,000. I could retire in the world of redneck life. (laughs) Ed? Yeah, that was big money back in the 70s. All you have to do is know how to lift things. (laughs) And Joe? Whenever I feel the need to try to count seconds in my head, I always seem to go back to memories of the high-pitched beeps that were used to tick away the remaining seconds on this particular TV game show. You got to do the sound. Dunk beep, dunk beep, dunk beep. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, the pressure. I know this is the part of the show where I'm supposed to make a pithy observation about the game, but I just can't believe you guys played this game without me. I'm so sorry. As soon as we broke it out, I knew I was like, oh, no, Celeste would have loved this game. Evan, tell us how it's played. $20,000 Pyramid is the board game rendition of the famous game show most frequently and notably hosted by Dick Clark. The object of the game is to describe items of a given subject to one's teammate as quickly as possible. Each team has 30 seconds for each list. The team with the most points after three rounds advances to the winner's circle round. In the winner's circle round, one teammate must make a list of items which fit each of six different categories. If the teammate can guess all six subjects in under 60 seconds, the team wins the big money. (laughs) The team with the most money after three games is the winner. Yeah, the big money, 20,000 whole dollars. 
<laughs> 74? Hey, that was nothing to sneeze at. Well, guys, was it super exciting? It was cool. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a you know, taboo-style game done in a different way. And I love the nostalgia of, of bringing up the old uh, game show. Of course, to me, it's an old game show. I guess for some people, it's mm-hmm. currently being it's... aired on ABC, I think. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, I used to <laughs> love that game show. I watched it all the time. They resurrected $20,000 Pyramid. What's it called now? $2 million Pyramid? <laughs> it's a $100,000 Pyramid. 100000 all right, what a ripoff. I'd, I'd play for that. I'd play. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. I'd play for $20,000 because I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> yeah. Mike, you have no pride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, celebrities usually play this game, right? Or at least a lot of times they play a regular person, a celebrity. Oh, I used to love this show when I was a teenager. All of my soap opera stars were on it <laughs> from yeah. the 80s. That was typical of game shows back in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. Yeah, they're helping the plebs win twenty grand back then. With the layout of this board game, did you get the feel that you were on a, the TV show? Did anything stand up? Were there any standees or anything? Well, yes, literally, they- yes. The, <laughs> the board actually stood up. A lot of these older games that are mimicking game shows try their best to give you the look and feel of it. And right. this is no different. Oh, you cool. Know, they have little slotted cardboard things to where you stuck your uh, clues into. And the title was the only thing sticking up that you could read of the category. Mm-hmm. Um I love the red decoder film that they used to help keep clues and solutions hidden until needed. Oh, yeah. You guys remember that? It's like blue letters with the red squiggles over the top. And then when you put a red filter over, all you see is the words. And they use that high tech stuff. That screams the 70s, that that technology. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Everything used that. Yeah. Decoder rings from McDonald's. (laughs) Like everything had that. I'm I'm sure it's made of the most the most environmentally unfriendly plastic. <laughs> yeah, but so worth it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Earth can take another hit for that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, Evan. We're playing old games. Earth already took the hit. We're recycling by playing this game. Speaking of recycling in the context of this game, they they do give you, I don't I didn't count how many, 50 different sets of cards, maybe. At, at wow. Least. And uh and it's great, it's they're perforated. So it really gives you that old game feel where you have to rip the perforation in order to get all the cards separated. Oh, you guys are truly terrible friends. Truly <laughs> terrible. We'll play this again. We'll Celeste. play it again. It's hilarious. <gasps> but it um, won't it won't be the first time you played. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so <laughs> the categories are stuff like uh, colorful things or th- things you'll find on your arm. Or <laughs> yeah, right. no, no joke, that was a category. Did you guys feel fully engaged? <laughs> yes, and I'll tell you why. It's that damn timer. They said a minute. It felt like 30 seconds. It, it was it, 30 seconds, I think. Oh, okay. So it was yeah. 30 seconds. But Well, it was 30 seconds-ish because the timer was so old that the sand inside was <laughs> sticky. And sometimes you had to tap it to keep the sand moving. <laughs> that 1974 sand, you know. <laughs> I know. They have categories like colorful things. And then another category was things that are colorful <laughs> or something like oh, that. Oh, that's right. It was a similar name. But I swear to God, it had every single clue was identical on there. And, and just by chance, somebody had grabbed that card for their turn and then i grabbed the other card for my turn which is all the same words so we, we had bizarre. to start the timer over and switch it out because it was weird <laughs> it was it we was started it was listing almost them off in order like rainbow okay peacock yep i got that one <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go with things that are colorful uh like a spectrum that appears in rainbow. the sky uh this you see this on the, the church windows 
the uh, is that a green glass, the stained glass windows? Yes. Uh, it struts the male struts around with this huge. Oh, peacock! Looks like a fan. Fourth oh, uh, of July, they Fireworks. get these things Woo. out, and this flies over the schoolyard. A, uh, the a banner, uh, an airplane uh, banner. Wave them. A flag. A yep. flag. Look, if you start running out of ideas, don't start recycling the same stuff over again. <laughs> just, just stop. Well, maybe they thought there were so many questions in there. What would the odd you draw the same category yeah. twice? Well, in well, this case, one hundred percent. I mean, look, if you you know this, if you only do have what fifty, maybe even a hundred of these things, this game only has a shelf life of so long because you'll run, you'll run through these things pretty quickly, and you know that that's it. It does seem like this game would scream for custom categories that were specific to just your like friends and family. Yeah, people you hate. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, explorers, <laughs> it's time for you guys to decide without me whether or not to dig up or bury $20,000 pyramid. Joe? It's a guessing game. It's got cool props. It's got time pressure. It checks all the boxes for that kind of game. Dig it up. Evan? That red decoding filament. Oh, my gosh. If that doesn't <laughs> scream 1974, nothing does. However, that's not enough to make this game worth playing more than once or twice, I think. So back to the time capsule. Bury it. Ed? If you like Taboo, or if you are a fan of the classic show, then this may be worth digging up. And Mike? The nostalgia kind of wore off pretty quickly for me because I don't need all that set up just to play a game inferior to Taboo. So I would say bury it and just play Taboo instead. Yeah. As a fan of Taboo and the classic $20,000 pyramid game, I'm sure I would have enjoyed playing. <laughs> but I'll reserve my judgment for now. Mike, where can you find this game on the circuit? Yeah, this particular version of the game is probably buried in the bottom of some dusty secondhand store. <laughs> uh, if you're lucky enough, um, they have made many, many versions of this game and published them. I don't know what the most up to date one is, but you can probably find it on Amazon. Uh, it looks to me like the newest versions of this game are similar, very similar, if not exactly the same to the older version. So I think they would be more than adequate to play with. Um, and if you have thoughts about $20,000 Pyramid, I would like to know. <laughs> so... Please contact us. We are at Which Game First on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. If you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes, for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter Today. If you get a chance, please share this podcast with your family, friends, anybody you know who you think would enjoy it. And join our chat on our Discord server. We are at Which Game First. And our Patreon supporters get access to exclusive channels. Follow us on your favorite social media site. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Happy gaming, explorers! To game or not to game? Yeah, that's a silly question. Yes, yeah, it's a game. That reminds me of a game called Slings and Arrows. This is Joe Onfried signing off. Whether you play games out of a desire to compete, cooperate, or corrugate, never stop gaming. <laughs>